The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. When the Magi had departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I tell you. Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. Joseph rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt. He stayed there until the death of Herod, that what the Lord had said through the prophet might be fulfilled. Out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod had died, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the child's life are dead. He rose, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was ruling over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go back there. And because he had been warned in a dream, he departed for the region of Galilee. He went and dwelt in a town called Nazareth, so that what had been spoken through the prophets might be fulfilled. He shall be called a Nazarene. The Gospel of the Lord. Well, on this Feast of the Holy Family, I just wanted to reflect uh, this morning on three virtues. And uh, the existence of the Holy Family or, or the gift of the Holy Family is so rich in many, many virtues. So it's, it's hard to limit it to three, but I will, for your sake, limit it just to three things uh, that we can gain from really the lives of Jesus, Joseph, and Mary. One of the things that St. Paul tells us uh, is to, in, in today's second reading, was to let the peace of Christ control your hearts. Let the peace of Christ control your hearts. Uh, we all know in modern society, and especially in these times, chaos and confusion seem to be a little bit more prevalent, right, in the, in the church. But St. Paul is inviting us to have the peace of Christ control our hearts. And whenever we allow Christ and his message and, and the message of the saints to uh, inform our minds and our hearts, that's where we can really have peace. Let the peace of Christ control us. So uh, three, I would say, virtues that can lead us to that pathway of allowing Christ to control our hearts. Uh, again, looking at the Holy Family as an example. First of all, and in, in this modern society, how can, how can we do that? How can we let the peace of Christ control our hearts with regards to the family. The first, I would say, is receptivity to children, receptivity to human life. Uh, we all don't need to, uh, obviously, it's very prevalent how menacing the, and the realities against life are in the world. We, we know it very well. But one of the ways we allow Christ to enter our hearts is letting God be in control. Right, simply uh, using our freedom for sure, and freedom guided by reason. But whenever we are receptive to life, God becomes the author. 
When we try to plan everything out according to our limited view and vision, well, we're restricting God's power to influence our lives and the lives of society in general. And, of course, bringing up children is uh, it's a challenge, it's, but it's also a grace of God. Remember from the Gospel of Life, the encyclical by John Paul II, I think the very first phrase that he used talked about that may, they may have eternal life. Right? We've limited our vision of reality so much to the current present day that we forget about the great gift that, uh, that families open up to human life. Whenever we're open to human life, it's not just about living this earthly life. We're opening up the possibility for someone to live all eternity in happiness. That's what God is expecting from families. Right? And we sat, see that virtue of receptivity of life, of course, in the, in the life of Mary herself. She was not expecting to have children. She was going to consecrate her life totally to God. But when the message came to her, she was open. She was receptive. She allowed God to dictate. That ability to allow God to dictate is something that we naturally resist as part of original sin, I think. Somehow, uh, we believe that God, an original sin, encourages us to believe that somehow God restricts our freedom that he's a menace, that he's kind of lording over us. Well, that's the voice of the devil. Whenever we think that God is restricting us, you can be sure that that's either going to our fallen human nature, the voice of the devil, uh, but it's not the voice of the Holy Spirit. So one clear way for families in today's society, of course, that is very countercultural is to always be open to life. Yes, according to you know, our reason guided by faith, and there are certainly teachings of the church. We all know the teachings of the church about artificial contraception, and what, but what there are certainly not, uh, natural family planning, ways that uh, through still respecting God's work, and we can, uh, again, raise families in, in modern society. But that very essence of receptivity to life, if we don't have that, then everything else falls apart. So that's the first virtue I think we can reflect on when we look at the Holy Family. Mary's yes. She just said yes. Now, that yes had so many different consequences, and that leads to the second Virtue is obedience. In every age of the church, in every age of humanity, obedience is one of the most difficult. Because once you put yourself under God's command, that requires obedience. The obedience of faith. That whatever God places in my life, even the tragedies, somehow I can integrate that into an overall vision of God's plan. When I I bow my head in obedience about things that I may not be able to control, but when I say yes to God... Uh, he opens up that pathway to peace because we all know that uh, when we try to organize or manage things too much, sometimes it falls apart. And that virtue of obedience, certainly we see it in Mary. We also see it in today's gospel in the life of St. Joseph, who the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. He said, rise, take the child to his mother and his mother and flee to Egypt, right? Something that would be very disruptive uh, and very uncomfortable and all the different things that entailed. So Joseph is that, that man, that man's man who will do whatever God wants. I don't think, uh, unfortunately, our society doesn't relate being a man with being obedient. We think that being a true man is kind of doing it, or society will tell us, that just freedom, whatever I feel like doing, I, that's, that's kind of how I'm going to find my happiness, right? Well, St. Joseph is there to tell us that's not the case. I'm going to be obedient to the God who created me. It's always fascinated me that the most essential things of our life we didn't choose we received we were obedient to the very fact that we exist i didn't create my soul i didn't create my heartbeat i didn't create my lungs 
God gave that to me. I'm, I'm saying yes, I'm being obedient when I am uh, following God's plan for my life. And Joseph was able to do that. He was able to, to guard and protect the Holy Family by being obedient to God. And then, of course, he was going to return to Judea, and he found that Herod, uh, or Herod's son, Archelaus, was there. So he, according to the scriptures, he fulfilled it, and they spent their lives, raised, raised Jesus in Galilee. But again, that, that idea of obedience, there are any number of examples we can draw from the gospel about obedience. Of course, Jesus is the prime example of obedience. Even when obedience causes people to misunderstand us, like when Jesus was uh, lost in the temple for three days, he was being obedient to his heavenly father. And that even caused confusion among Mary and Joseph. We know that they searched for him for three days, they found him, and Mary said, why why did you do this to us? And he said, well, I had to be in my father's house. That type of obedience, it's supernatural obedience. It's being obedient to God. And certainly, when we follow the teachings of the church in terms of family life, it's going to cause a lot of questions and confusion uh, about people who just don't understand the gospel message. But again, if you take that step, the leap of faith to be obedient to God, his church, and the church teachings, you're going to have the peace of Christ. God promises us that. And the third virtue, again, of the many, many we could talk about is forgiveness. I think forgiveness is, is a, is, can be commonly misunderstood as, well, I, I haven't forgiven someone because I still remember what happened and I still feel about, I still feel the hurt. Well, actually, the catechism talks about our inability to forget. Like, it's not human to forget something. So if you think that you haven't forgiven someone just because the memory of them you still remember what the, the pain that they caused and actually may feel some of the pain that they caused today, that doesn't mean you haven't forgiven. That just means you're a human person that has a memory, you have imagination, and you have, you have the five senses. You have an interior life also that uh, pain and hurt, it can, we can reawaken that through our memory. So forgiveness doesn't mean forgetting, that I can't, I, I'm not, I can't even remember it or I don't feel it. Forgiveness is simply saying I actually acknowledge it, it happened, I might even feel the pain, but I'm going to treat that person as if, as if it never happened. That's what forgiveness is. So uh, we, it's overcoming the feelings that we have. Joseph was a great example of, of forgiveness, even though he didn't have to forgive Mary because Mary didn't do anything wrong. We know that when Joseph found out about uh, Mary's Uh, carrying the word of God, Joseph was going to quietly dismiss her. We know that from the scriptures. So he had a kind heart. He could have, in in justice, he could have publicly shamed her because it it seemed pretty obvious that he had been unfaithful to their covenant. But he didn't do that. He forgave. And in other words, in his heart, he pretended as if the the wrong had not been committed and he treated her as if it had never happened. So I'm going to divorce her quietly and treat her with respect, with love, with dignity, and not embarrass her or expose her to shame, as the Gospels tell us. That's what true forgiveness is all about. And it's not, he couldn't not forget what had happened. Of course, we know that uh, he was revealed to him who Mary and how Mary had conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. But that attitude of the heart of Joseph, right, that's how he governed the Holy Family. He didn't uh, you know, react simply off his, his own lights. Right? He was the, had the ability to be open to God, his, his, his revelation, and that created peace. The peace that St. Paul talks about. Let the peace of Christ 
control your hearts. And we can go on and on, but I just want to share a few reflections. And one last thing is that Jesus always ennobles and enriches a human concept and brings it to a higher level. And of course, the same thing with the family. Whenever there's a family, we know there's you know, the family unit, well, God is in inviting us to see, well, through baptism, we come into a greater family. That it's not just blood relation now, it's, it's something that goes even deeper and farther and wider than we can possibly imagine. That when we're baptized, we are incorporated into a bigger body, a bigger family, the family of God, the church. And what a great uh, mystery that is. And being obedient trying to forgive uh, all those different things that we try to imitate in our, our family, our, our blood family, we're also called to imitate in the family of the body of Christ. And the greatest gift, of course, that we have in this body is the table of the Eucharist. We know that one of the ways we celebrate being in family is eating, right? enjoying a meal together. And that's where this family of God, and the, the Holy Family is the example of, those, of this family of God, uh, we can celebrate this higher level of family here in the Eucharist. So let's prepare our minds and our hearts for this great gift, uh, first of all, of the Holy Family. They offer so many virtues to contemplate and to imitate. And most of all, thank uh, Christ for his death on the cross, through which he gives us true life, not just a physical life, but a spiritual life. And he nourishes that spiritual life in the Eucharist. So again, we, we uh, ask for the grace to imitate the Holy Family, and most of all, imitate the love of Jesus Christ, a total self-giving love that has no limits. We receive the life of faith through the church, for she is the mother of our new birth in grace. As joyful members of God's family, we now pray for the church, that her members will be strengthened, purified, and renewed through the grace of Christ's body and blood. Let us pray to the Lord. For those charged with protecting society, that they will build a world in which family life is revered, protected, and promoted. Let us pray to the Lord. For the universal respect of all human persons, that the culture of life will transform every human heart. Let us pray to the Lord. For blessings on all families, that the love, the unity, and the self-donation of the Holy Family will overflow into all aspects of family life. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, For families who suffer from financial hardships, that they may find in the birth of Jesus a sign of certain hope. Let us pray to the Lord. For family members who are alienated or estranged, that the unfailing power of the mercy of Jesus will reunite and reconcile loved ones. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, Loving Father, bless us with your love, which we profess to be the bond of perfection. Let the peace of Christ console the hearts we offer to you with thankful prayer. We ask this through Christ our Lord. 